Once again, to Faith and Freedom Fighters, I'm Robert Muse, co-founder and senior counsel of the American Freedom Law Center. And as usual, I'm joined by my fellow freedom fighter, co-founder and senior counsel, David Yurashami. As our loyal listeners know, David and I are first and foremost litigators. And while we certainly believe that these podcasts and video casts are an important part of our mission at the American Freedom Law Center, our primary mission is to engage in litigation to fight for faith and freedom. We are primarily doers and not just talkers. Now, we do endeavor to do a new podcast each Thursday. However, our litigation schedules do not always cooperate. Consequently, David and I were unable to do a podcast last week. And the reason? We are working on two new and important federal civil rights lawsuits that we just filed. One was filed in federal court in Arizona, and the other was filed in federal court in Michigan. And we will discuss those lawsuits a bit uh, later during this show. But before turning to the lawsuits, we want to spend some time discussing some headlines. If you've been listening to our podcast or watching the video casts, you know that Facebook censored one of our earlier shows where we discussed the evidence showing that COVID-19 was likely leaked, whether intentionally or not, we do not know with any certainty. Uh, motives or intention are awful, often very difficult to prove. But there's credible evidence showing that this virus likely originated in a Wuhan lab. We were allegedly fact-checked by Facebook and its independent fact-checkers and then censored. And for those just listening on the podcast, I was doing air quotes for fact-checked and independent fact-checkers. Well, it looks like Facebook needs some new fact-checkers. Maybe the lawsuit we are preparing against them, and this is a third new lawsuit, not one of the two we'll be discussing later, will cause them to rethink their Orwellian totalitarian, totalitarian methods of censorship. So, David, welcome, and uh, you've been following the news, and we're learning a little bit more about this uh, Wuhan leak of the China virus. So, uh, welcome. Thank you, Rob, and, and thank you to all the listeners who have joined us. And, and as you pointed out, uh, we were a bit busy last week. Um, we filed the lawsuit that we had been talking about uh, in the federal district court in Arizona, which we'll come to later in the podcast regarding Twitter's involvement with the Biden administration in censoring speech. You know, the idea of shaping the narrative has always been around in politics and government and public policy. Um, it's even been around in the legal field for trial lawyers, especially criminal trial lawyers who were involved in high profile cases because it impacts the jury, potential jury or the actual jury. It impacts the judge. It impacts the prosecutor and the prosecutor uses it to impact the defendant's decision as well. So shaping the public debate has always been an important element in any free society because the fact is that people in a free society have the ability to read all sorts of opinions and all sorts of facts and come up with their own view. And then the majority in a free society tends to then create law, policy, emphasis, etc. So it's an important element. Social media giants and the standard media outlets have always engaged in this process as willing participants. It's especially become a problem, of course, in the last 20 years with the progressive movement's growth in power and influence, 
which has been a process over the decades. And we've talked about that. So I'm not going to go into it in great detail. But essentially, the mainstream media and the social media giants are entirely in bed with progressives and the leftists. And so they shape all of the discussions about what's taking place. Now, the news, it's Fox News is certainly talking about, and now the other outlets, the mainstream and the social media giants are required to talk about is exactly as you put it, um, the subject of the source, the origins of the COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Up until two weeks ago, Uh, The mandate from the Biden administration to social media was that the social media giants who were supposed to be bastions of free speech and the exchange of ideas, of course, have now for some time been, and especially since the Trump era, the bastions of the guardian of what progressives will allow you to think about or speak about in more particular terms. And so the Biden administration came out with this policy that the social media giants needed to censor speech that was either negative on the COVID protocols, especially masks, and recently any discussion of a negative discussion of the vaccines. Now they've included a discussion of the source of the Wuhan lab or the virus coming from the Wuhan lab. The media has been forced to cover this issue because it is so patently obvious that China has engaged in a cover-up. And the Washington Post, which was rare, and it was by the news folks, and it probably slipped by the Jeff Bezos censors at the Washington Post. Remember, the Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post. The Washington Post is the newspaper of record for the Beltway, for Washington, D.C. It was the famous paper that uncovered Watergate and Deep Throat and all of that scenario that you youngsters probably only read about in the history books, but Rob and I actually lived through. And, and just for clear, Jeff Bezos is of Amazon fame. He's a, and uh, and if you remember, and those who've been watching the news, and, and this was a, an older story, but you know, Amazon owns a, a lot of servers, and uh, they effectively were one of the ones that shut down Parler and uh, its efforts at free speech by uh, shutting them off of their their um, of their servers. So uh, Jeff Bezos, who now owns the Washington Post, is uh, is the uh, the guy who who started up uh, Amazon. So right, and, okay. and it's even more dangerous than that. Of course, he is one of the richest men in the world, um, worth tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars who knows how much he's worth today um and he is either the richest or one of the top three um his companies which includes amazon which as rob pointed out have these massive servers these supercomputers that um are as good as any government has Um, they actually contract with the u.s government including its intelligent forces to amass huge amounts of information, data, about everything from citizens, from terrorist threats, um, 
money laundering. I mean, it's massive. And they get huge contracts from the government to provide their computers and their software capabilities to the government. And in addition, of course, he owns and controls media outlets like the Washington Post. You know, it used to be in the days as President Eisenhower was leaving office, he famously warned against the military industrial complex, the um, way in which the military industry, the companies that produce military hardware and weaponry um, would oftentimes absorb retiring generals from the highest ranks of the military in order to use them to go back and lobby Congress and the executive branch um, for war and war making materials, et cetera. And that used to be a famous narrative of the left uh, that the military industrial complex was in control of the country. And they made lots of very, very good movies about spies and, and military folks who were betrayed by the military industrial complex that really didn't care about America, but cared about simply enriching themselves. Well, it's interesting that progressives and leftists do not do that analysis when it comes to um, the Bezos and the social media giants or the Fauci's, the Dr. Fauci's of the world who have this symbiotic relationship with these entities. So let's now talk about the Fauci emails, which have become the newest rage in the media and in large part driven by Fox News and conservative outlets that have forced the social media giants on the left to pay attention to it. We now know that the evidence from the beginning until today that the virus, COVID virus, could not have come from the Wuhan lab was false. Even the statement that suggests that it's highly improbable that it came from the Wuhan lab, um, we know today is false. That statement is false. It can't be made. Now, one can still argue that they think that the COVID virus evolved naturally. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that. I don't want to get too much in the weeds um, because it can become biologically confusing. <laughs> but what we know today is that the evidence probably um, that we have today, but we don't know a lot, stacks up in favor of some kind of, of biological evolution. Now, um, might that have been helped along in the lab? Certainly, and we have no evidence that it wasn't. But there is evidence that in That's fact- That's the whole point of the gain of function, is, to, right. is, is those lab, uh, the research that was done there, which is apparently- right. I, I, I want to talk United about States. gain of, yeah, I want to talk about gain of function in, in particular, so our, our listeners can really appreciate what's going on out there. So you, you, had Dr. Fauci in the early days, and we know all the flip-flops, you know, masks are not going to help you and all of a sudden masks become the most important thing to the point where you should wear two masks even if you've been vaccinated or you've already had the infection. So we, we know all about those flip-flops. Um, and that's because what we've talked about here on many occasions is that Dr. Fauci does not practice science. He 
hasn't for years and maybe even decades ever done the actual measurement of science. That's all science can do. All science can do, properly speaking, is measure. Um, it can look at something and measure it. Um, public policy, utilizing scientific consensus, the idea that even though science can't know something, they can come to a consensus, a kind of informal agreement about um, what the measurements might mean, and then public policy officials then impose upon people like us various restrictions and protocols based upon what they believe to be the balancing of the risks and the benefits. Now, the Dr. Fauci made statements early on that um, it could not have come from the Wuhan lab, that all the evidence is that it evolved naturally. Now, gain of function um, typically addresses two aspects of a virus in the same way that the natural biology does. The two main aspects of a virus are how deadly or how sick you get from it, how bad is the virus, and how infectious it is. Those are the two main elements. And that's what the studies that Dr. Fauci was mailing around, emailing, and this is what we discovered in the emails, to various colleagues and media official and politicians and just people. It was shown that he was emailing essentially three studies and some others, and they're not really properly studies. They're analyses. Um, they themselves, none of this so-called scientific work actually did the measurements. They were relying on other people who had done measurements. And essentially what they were saying is that, look, there's three ways this deadly virus um, is what it is. One, it came from animals um, and evolved in animals so that it could then jump to humans. And the reason why that aspect, and that's the infectious aspect, COVID typically, and they're called beta coronaviruses, um, are the ones that affect mammals and we're mammals and bats and pangolins and other um, animals like camels for the, the, the COVID, the coronavirus that affected the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Um, and years ago. But these viruses don't have the proper biological properties to, to be affect the cells of humans. They can't latch on. They can't affect the cells. The spikes of the coronavirus, when modified, either naturally or through gain of function, are able to then jump from animal to human. Now there's no evidence yet that there's been gain of function on that jumping, but we do see this gap. And that's what the studies that Dr. Fauci sent around to prove that it could not have been man-made. We see a gap between the virus that exists on, in bats, which is likely the source, but probably not, um, and I say likely, but probably not because the scientists don't know.
and that's a contradiction in terms. And it could have come from some other mammal. But again, there's no clear biology that shows us how it jumped while still in animals. So the other possibility is that there were what were called cryptic infections of humans. That is to say, um, a virus from an animal like a bat in the Wuhan wet, wet market somehow jumped to a human because that one virus was had a mutation of sorts and got to the human and then that human virus was able to mutate while in the human and infect someone else and so that the gain of function for the ability to infect humans in large scale occurred while it was in a human. The third possibility is that this evolution took place in the Wuhan lab and it could have taken place there several ways. One way is that while they were studying the coronavirus in the Wuhan lab, and we know they were, we just don't know if it was the ancestor of this virus, that while in the lab and doing their various experiments, and it may or may not have been gain of function, it mutated and evolved. And Wuhan lab individuals became sick and then infected the rest of China. And we know from the Washington Post story owned by Jeff Bezos, and this was the kicker that forced the media to cover this story, that three workers of the Wuhan lab became ill with COVID-like symptoms in December of 2019. Now, the media had to now cover this origin story because the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos and he couldn't censor his own newspaper. So the media had to pay attention and it was precisely because the Washington Post let this story go out. And my guess is the editor of the news section simply didn't follow the, the rules of the, of, the, of the game. And my guess is also the editor who allowed that story to get published is in hot water. Now, I don't know that, but I'm willing to bet you that that's the case now. So the story leaked out like the virus leaked out of the Wuhan yeah. lab. <laughs> every now and then, it's very hard Analogous. to keep conspiracies a secret ultimately. We know that they can be kept secret for a long time, right? We know that when the government did its syphilis studies in the South and allowed black men who had syphilis to just suffer as part of their, um, you know, their experiment to see um, what happens when you don't treat versus when you do treat, that that experimentation um, took place over a, a period of time and then was kept secret for a long period of time. So we do know it can happen. Um, but now moving a little bit more to the details, gain of function will either make a virus more deadly or it can simply take a deadly virus and make it more infectious. We don't know precisely if there was gain of function, research being done at Wuhan lab on coronavirus, and we don't know what type it might have been if it was taking place. But we don't know that it wasn't, and we know that the Wuhan lab is a the most sophisticated lab in China for gain of function type of research. And we know that Fauci's um, funding arms of the government in fact, gave money to a U.S.-based group of researchers 
who then gave money to the Wuhan lab and um, worked closely with the Chinese woman in charge over there called Bat Lady because she did so much work on bats and coronavirus and research because bats are a, a main carrier of many different variations of coronavirus. And um, all we know is what China, the Chinese Communist Party has told us, which is we didn't use that money for gain of function. Well, we don't know that. Uh, and precisely because um, the Chinese government and the people who work for the Chinese government, which means all of these scientists, they are employed and their livelihood and their reputations and their very lives and the lives of their families are dependent upon the Chinese Communist Party, one of the most tyrannical, one of the most fascist governments in the world. So whatever the left and the progressives think about Trump and the Trump government or the US government or the military industrial complex or anything else, you would have to multiply that by a factor of almost infinity to understand how evil and how tyrannical the communist Chinese party is. So every time you read about the, the um, from the media that fact checks any talk about this conspiracy, the, the, the Wuhan lab, et cetera. Just know that the denials come from that tyrannical government. So the bottom line is this, Fauci did not have any serious evidence that this virus did not evolve in the lab naturally, meaning they were working on the coronavirus any more than it might've evolved in nature and at no time and they still don't know the studies that i reviewed in the last several days make it clear that we don't know whether the coronavirus became infectious for human beings while still in the mammal kingdom we don't know if it jumped to a human and then evolved there and we don't know if it evolved in the wuhan lab now the piece of evidence that everyone is so upset about is that in these emails, um, aside from several different threads, is that Fauci was told by a researcher that if you look carefully at the biology of the coronavirus that allows it to be infectious, massively infectious in human beings, if you look carefully at aspects of the gene and the way they mapped it, it looks like it could have been engineered. Now, keep in mind that when you engineer a virus to be infectious or deadly, and especially if you're doing that for purposes of military research, you don't do it so it's obvious. You know as a scientist in China or anywhere else what the other scientists know. They know what an engineered virus will look like it will have aspects to its biology that don't show a natural evolution. And viruses tend to mutate and then evolve in small little stages, not leaps. It can happen, but that's not typically the way it happens. So if you're a scientist working on a military weapon, 
you want to disguise the fact that it's been engineered. So it wouldn't surprise me that a researcher early on would say, you know, if you look carefully, you can see that it might be engineered. Now, Fauci, after getting that email, sent around a bunch of scary emails with important in all caps and sent around, we need to talk about this. And soon thereafter, the same scientist who mentioned about the engineering element and others began to produce these research papers, which weren't really research. They were simply analyzing other people's research, making the argument that, oh, poo-pooing the Wuhan lab, it looks like it came from nature. But if you look at those research papers, they're simply speculation. They dismiss the Wuhan lab because they're simply confirming their own bias that it could not have been by a scientist, even though we know that lab leaks, and it's mentioned in some of these papers that Fauci was sending around, occur from labs, that humans get sloppy, that when you've been working on a virus, even a deadly virus, for months, years, one after the other, you tend to allow protocols to slip. It happens in every field of endeavor. We know it happens and it can cause tragedy. What was the uh, um, the uh, spacecraft that exploded? And we know that it was a, a challenger. 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 No, it was a result of the fact that we got sloppy with the O-ring maintenance. And as a result, our astronauts were tragically killed in front of the world's eyes as it took off. It happens all the time. Rob and I see it in the practice of law. I'm general counsel to a couple of companies, and I can tell you no matter how many times we tell people, these are the protocols you must observe. Over time, those protocols will be violated because that's human nature. Now, Fauci was telling Congress and the public over and over again that in fact, it could not have come from the lab. There was no gain of function research. And what we know today is that was false. We don't know the opposite is certainly true, but we know that his statements were absolutely false. Now, I will tell you that in my reading of his public testimonies and um, under oath, but his public pronouncements, there's always a bit of wiggle room in his statements. And what, has, what the media is now doing are taking those emails, which are um, make Fauci look potentially like a liar who is engaged in a narrative to cover up a major issue that the U.S. may very well have been involved in paying for the research that caused this virus to spread around the world. And at the very least, it was the work of Chinese scientists intentionally, recklessly or negligently it caused the spread. And why would the US government not want that to become public? Because Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, have been close to the Communist Party and the big wigs in China for years. And he does not want to upset the balance of power when it comes to China, when it comes to trade, when it comes to the currency, everything. And his motivation is to protect that relationship.
So there are a lot of tentacles here. We don't have all the answers. I will tell you there is no smoking gun no matter what Fox News says, but there is a lot of smoke. And right now, and as litigators, we can tell you when there's a lot of smoke, Occam's razor, the simple explanation is that there's a gun there, there's a fire, there's something going on. And Fauci and the Biden administration and media and the big social media giants are trying to simply blow that smoke away by adding more smoke to it and claiming that it's all innocent smoke. Someone's just barbecuing chicken in the backyard and there's nothing to see here. Don't get fooled by that. Yeah. And, you know, you add to all this is what we've discussed previously, you know, this World Health Organization so-called investigation um, China did all it could to <clears throat> to hide evidence, to present, to uh, prohibit uh, an investigation into into the really the the real evidence that would reveal the answer to this. So you you had China involved in a cover up, World Health Organization going along with that cover up, and like I said, when when you look at all the evidence, and we mentioned the difference between direct evidence and circumstantial evidence, the smoke that you're referring to, in my view, the circumstantial evidence is uh, it's more likely than not that this was from a Wuhan leak, they, they were doing gain-of-function research, right? We don't know if it's specifically doing it on this virus, by why wouldn't they, all right? This was this is one of the one of the main viruses that they were <clears throat> studying there in the Wuhan lab. And you had these, again, these workers that got sick in December um, of symptoms similar to, uh, to the COVID-19 symptoms. You had them shutting down the domestic flights, opening up the national flights. You have all this evidence. And, and it just keeps, to me, it just keeps mounting. And, and we also had mentioned <clears throat> the uh, Republicans in the House, I think it was the Intelligence Committee, of uh, calling for a further investigation uh, into into all of this because of the circumstantial evidence. To me, just keeps mounting, mounting, and mounting, in uh, in in favor of the position that <clears throat> this virus came from the Wuhan lab. <clears throat> so you know, I want to move on to another story that you uh, that you sent me, so we can get to these cases. You sent me a story yesterday from NPR, the National Public Radio. Right, no surprise there when I tell you what the title of this story is. And uh, National Public Radio is is taxpayer funded. <laughs> it's amazing how the left can get their, you know, their media funded by uh, by taxpayers. And this article was titled, "quote A Guide to Gender Identity Terms." End quote. <laughs> and uh, David, as you put it in your message to me, this is hilarious if it weren't so utterly tragic. <clears throat> you know, we keep hearing how the left is all about science, and the right is a bunch of Neanderthals who reject science. Well, the last time I checked, a biology is a science. And this guide is just so absurd. And I'm going to give you some, uh, some samples of some of the absurdity from this article. It talks about the proper use of gender identity terms, including pronouns. Pronouns. They say it's a crucial way to signal courtesy and acceptance, right? Isn't that what it's all about? It's all about acceptance of these, of these you know, absurd positions that they take. And here's some of their... Uh, their questions and answers regarding pronouns. So they have a definition section. The first one is sex. And they said it refers to a person's biological status as is typically assigned at birth, usually on the basis of external anatomy. It's assigned at birth? Hmm. So, but here's their definition of gender. Gender is often defined as a social construct of norms, behaviors, and roles that varies between societies and over time. Didn't realize that. I didn't realize that it was, this was just a social construct. And so gender identity is one's own internal sense 
of self in their gender, whether that is man, woman, neither, or both. Neither or both? Seriously? <laughs> How does that happen biologically? And, and here's some of the, uh, they say non-binary. Here's another term. I wasn't even familiar with these. Is a term that can be used by people who do not describe themselves or their genders as fitting into the categories of man or woman. What, what is the other category? This is just agender. Here's another one. Agender is an adjective that can describe a person who does not identify as any gender. Okay. It gets even better. So they go on to say, using the correct pronouns for trans and non-binary youth is a way to let them know that you see them, you affirm them, and you accept them. And there's a quote here from, uh, from a person who was interviewed. It's really about letting someone know that you accept their identity. Look, a person was born. They're either being a, born a man or they're born a woman. I can accept them as how God created them, right? We know from Genesis, God created man and woman, and it is good. I didn't see another second, third, fourth, or fifth category of, uh, you know, that, that God created. And let me go on here. So what's the right way to find out a person's pronoun? So this is something, I guess, that's, uh, that's kind of uh, socially important. You start by giving your own. For example, my pronouns are she slash her and you go on to quote this if i was introducing myself to someone i would say i'm rodrigo i use him pronouns what about you so apparently that's the way to break the ice to uh, to learn somebody's pronoun here's another one. this one is was just absolutely amazing to me i never heard this until i read it how is they used as a singular pronoun so this is according to the article. They is already commonly used as a singular pronoun when we are talking about someone and we don't know who they are. O'Hara notes, somebody that was interviewed, using they, them pronouns for someone you do know simply represents just a little bit of a switch, according to this article. And here's a further quote. I identify as non-binary myself and I appear feminine. People often assume that my pronouns are she slash her. So they will use those. And I'll just gently correct them and say, hey, you know what? My pronouns are they, them. Just FYI for future reference or something like that. End quote. They say. So you can be a plural pronoun as one person as well. If this isn't as confusing and absurd, then I, I don't know what planet you live on. This, you, you can't make this stuff up. I didn't know that you referred to a person as they. A singular person as they or them and this non-binary and agender you know like I said God created man and woman that's it and it was good you're either one or you're the other you can't be both you can't be some sort of third creature because there was no third human creature uh, created um, and it's this stuff is just again you know David you said to me it's it would be hilarious if it wasn't so utterly tragic because you know all the wokes out there, you know, you work in a private business, private company, they're all going to, you know, have these seminars about what pronoun you're supposed to be using for individuals. They recommend that, you know, when you send somebody an email, you should say in the email what pronoun that you use. So that way they can, uh, when they greet you, they can do it appropriately and you don't have to gently, you know, correct them according to this article. Amazing. You just can't make this stuff up. You really can't. And you know what, and again, just to kind of, um, 
dip our toe in the water a bit. We do know, of course, in the in the Jewish um, Bible, the Torah talks about it. Jewish law addresses it. There are individuals who are born with mixed sexual um, biological parts, and but they're anomalies. And granted, their lives can be confusing, if not tortuous, um, to deal with those issues. But they are anomalies. What these people were talking about are right, and just to be clear that's not what they're referring to here at all and and i understand that there are <clears throat> those types of biological anomalies which are very very rare but that's not this at all right they're talking about biological men or biological women um claiming to be something else now you know just an aside as a story i famously represented um uh, earth cafe and litigation by some uh, muslim girls, young women who claimed that they were kicked out of the cafe because they wore hijabs, which was false. And their attorney was Muhammad Taj Azhar, uh, a young man, young Muslim man. Um, and he worked for a hardcore progressive leftist lawyer in uh, Pasadena when he sued. Well, eventually he moved over to the American Civil Liberties Union, the progressive uh, leftist version of uh, um, you know, a civil rights organization. And when he moved, I started getting emails from him on his signature block in um, the superscript, you know, the little like numbers you would put on top of an exponent on top of a number that would read I slash he slash um, we slash they that these were the pronouns that applied to him. So I was in a deposition and I asked him, um, I'm just curious, I don't understand why, and I, at the time I really didn't, I wasn't up on all this gender identity stuff. And I asked him, you know, you're Muhammad, you're clearly a man, what, what's the confusion here? And he said, I just want people to understand what I identify with. And then I, I looked at the they, and trying to figure out who's the they? Do you have multiple personalities? <laughs> you have some kind of disorder uh, psychologically that you need to tell me that one day I might be speaking to Muhammad Tajar and and tomorrow I might be speaking to uh, um, uh, Sarah, you know, uh, Paley. Uh, in any event, it it, it becomes so absurd that it's funny. But keep in mind. As we laugh about this, this is very much a part of the progressives' mandate and agenda to literally have us see reality in ways that aren't real. And if they can do that about gender, then they can do it about everything because there's nothing more manifest, nothing more palpable, nothing more concrete than your gender. So if we can be told that people can wake up one day, they're woke, and realize that they're pan people, that they're more than one gender, that they're not just men or women, they can be multiples. Um, if we can come to believe that and accept that in society, uh, we're pretty sick. Let me just point out that you know, the idea that there are races or the idea that um, there are genders is we're now being told is a social construct. 
But the fact is, is if it's a social construct, the left has told us about social constructs that they don't like, like racism, that it's not real, that it doesn't really exist. A social construct is what we in society informally, unconsciously agree will be the framework for our thinking and our speaking. Well, if, if all of this gender identity is nothing more or less than a social construct, then they're getting us to believe something that's false. And the underlying notion is, as Rob pointed out earlier, if that I have some kind of obligation as NPR writes, I have some kind of societal obligation to accept the fact that Muhammad Tajar identifies as a certain pronoun or group of pronouns. I don't have an obligation to accept that. And the fact that I don't accept it might hurt his feelings is not on me. It's on him because he's rejecting or accepting biology at a whim. I accept the reality of the world on its own terms and deal with that. We don't have an obligation not to hurt people's feelings when they've taken a view that contradicts reality. As good people, we shouldn't want to go around hurting people's feelings and we shouldn't want to do it willy-nilly. But if I'm engaging in reality, then I have zero obligation to worry about your feelings because you might not accept reality. Yeah, and I, you know what, I, I think it's far more sinister. This, uh, this is a corruption, an absolute corruption of God's creation, right? And I find it offensive as a person of faith that they would, they would, that they would do that. And, and I don't want to play their games of corrupting what God created and what God himself said was good, the creation of man and the creation of woman. And, uh, and that's, that to me is at, at the bottom line is where this is, uh, this is utterly offensive and should be utterly offensive to anybody who, um, any person of faith. In fact, it should be utterly offensive to all of us because we're all part of God's creation. And let me take so, that a step further, Rob, because yeah. that's an important point. And even if we have to push off discussions to another week about the cases. But here's, here's the point that Rob just made. Why is, now Rob's a faithful Catholic. So he's going to be um, uh, insulted or upset about the corruption of God's creation. And I, as an Orthodox Jew, would be upset. But what is the real sinister aspect? Why is that sinister? It's sinister because if you can corrupt what God created in a person's mind, you're not actually corrupting it, right? A man is still a man, a woman is still a man. God's truth is still God's truth. The reality is still the reality. God created the reality. But if you can corrupt it in our minds, what have you done? You've eliminated transcendence. You've eliminated godliness. You've eliminated any base understanding of why we're in this world, what's good, what's bad. If you can eliminate a transcendent understanding of truth and falsehood, good and evil, then who's left to define and decide what is good and evil? Man. And it becomes whatever either the strongest man wants, the most powerful, 
And right now we're talking about, you know, the military, um, militaristic countries like China or Russia, would I put Russia on the side, but certainly China, or we're talking about social media giants as power, power sources in human existence. Or the fact is, is that um, majorities can decide. So either you have the most powerful individual or individual government, small group, or you have mob rule, democracy writ small, that is to say mob majoritarian rule, no understanding that there are certain inalienable rights that we have from God that no government can tear asunder. And that was the purpose of our country's founding, to establish a democracy, but not as a mob rule, not as a little d, but as a constitutional republic that said, the majorities are allowed to rule in the main, but there are important breaks on that power. Because if you allow majoritarian rule simply, simple democracy, then you have mob rule. And when you have mob rule, you have tyranny, plain and simple. Now, and that, you know, this is a, uh, this, this issue of tyranny, when you, when you see totalitarian regimes, a, a common uh, theme in all of those is the suppression of religious freedom, right? And I, and I have, and this, is, this kind of segues, we're gonna talk about my case I filed in Michigan second. It might, might be worthwhile to pull that one up and maybe we save your discussion of the Arizona case till our next, uh, our next podcast. But, you know, it's, um, I'm representing this, uh, this group, Catholic Healthcare International, who uh, acquired 40 acres of property in Genoa Township here in Michigan. It was deeded to them by the, uh, by the diocese. The diocese owned the property. They were intending to build a church on the property, but because of, you know, things that had happened over economically and so forth, a number of people that moved out of, the, uh, out of that particular area, it's a very rural area, they decided it wouldn't, wouldn't uh, make sense to build a large, a large church there. It, it probably wouldn't be supported by the local population. So they, they deeded the property over to Catholic Healthcare International, which is a recognized uh, organization, uh, a Catholic organization of the, of the lay faithful. And uh, they wanted to build a, an adoration chapel, a small chapel, 95 seats. It was 6,000 square feet, only 39 parking spots, uh, named after St. Uh, Padre Pio. It was going to be an adoration chapel, uh, 40 acres of the property, only five acres were going to be developed in this, in this rural area. Um, it met all the requirements. The, this zoning, just like most other places when they zone for churches, um, you have to get a special approval for land use. The churches are, are typically allowed in, uh, in residential zoned uh, property. This was, this was residentially zoned. Um, very, very rural. And, uh, and they also had on the property, they have these the Stations of the Cross, 14 stations, which are basically images, icons, 14 icons um, that that you would pray at each one of these that that represented a different a different station a different aspect of the of the passion of Christ his last days on uh, um, on the on the earth as a as a man before his, his crucifixion and and so the it, it's it's these are small signs and they also had a display of a, of an image of our lady that was uh, that was part of this this temporary mural wall and the township denied their their zoning, and in fact ordered them to remove the stations of the cross and the moral the mural wall. 
Uh, there's federal law that uh, that prohibits this. It's it's called the Religious Land Use Institutionalized Persons Act, which was designed to uh, prohibit this type of religious discrimination in zoning, because most times places of religious worship have to get a special special land use, which has oftentimes have these subjective amorphous standards like is it harmonious with the property and so forth. This plainly met all of those standards as a matter of fact, met all the objective standards, but yet it was still it was still denied by the township, and so we sued. And and the point here is, and they're you know they're standing up to this township because uh, you know these, these attacks on on religious liberty, and this is an attack on religious liberty. You know the the way, and and what was what came to mind when when this all transpired, and I was first told that look they're going to be told to remove these stations of the cross. These, I mean they're small like on a pole, a, a small plaque on the top that has a, a religious icon that you stand before you pray and you move on to the next uh, to the next station or this image of, of our lady is going to be removed off this private property i remember these uh, you know these grainy black and white images when nazi germany invaded poland right and one of the first things that they did is they went around and they removed all the religious icons there were all the public displays of religion taking the crosses down taking any other any other religious symbol you can why? Because that's how you subjugate a people, right? Totalitarians know that. You remove their religion. The other thing they do is they, you know, they take away your 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 guns as well. Mostly totalitarian regimes, you can't own any firearm to defend yourself. But the but religious freedom is always one of the first things that is that goes with uh, with totalitarian regimes. And and you got to fight back and you got to push back. This little chapel on on forty acres of land in a rural area. You know, there was not even a requirement for a traffic study because it was such a such a minimal impact. They're only going to develop five acres of, of the 40 acres. Yet in this same zoning area and only a couple miles away from the proposed uh, chapel site, the town has their own park, has a public park, right? My, my client, they called it a, a prayer campus is what they were trying to develop with a small chapel and these prayer trails which you could go and meditate, pray the Stations of the Cross. And, um, you know, and, and just be out in nature and pray. So they couldn't have their religious park, but just, you know, three miles away, the township has this, this huge park on 38 acres, less acreage than my clients are on, you know, with swing sets and water parks and 200 plus parking spaces. You know, it's just, it's phenomenal the, the way that they uh, discriminate against uh, religion. So we just filed, actually it was yesterday, we filed this federal uh, lawsuit under that Rilupa statute, a federal statute, and as well as the first and fourteenth uh, amendments, because even after their development was denied, they got a letter just at the uh, in the early May telling them they also had to remove the stations across in the mural wall because they somehow violate the uh, their sign ordinance. You know, we've got pictures. There's you know birdhouses and all kinds of things all around the the uh, the township that don't require permits and fees and prior approval that are erected and, and put up all over the place. They have all sorts of exemptions for signs, for historical markers and temporary signs, real estate signs and everything else. But these religious symbols, well, they got to go or you got to pay a fee or get private approval or prior approval for them. That's called a prior restraint on speech. These attacks on religious freedom are just, uh, you know, they got to stop. And that's why we file these lawsuits. And, and you know, as I say all the time, we're, you know, we're, we're advocates, right? We, we fight these fights on behalf of people, but it always takes... You know, the client, like in the case you have in Arizona, David, on behalf of that doctor, it takes the client to stand up and say, you know what, enough's enough. You know, I'm going to stand up, put my name on a pleading, and we're going to sue these, you know, these uh, these violators of our fundamental rights, and they're, they're willing to do that, and, you know, we're the, we're the advocates for them. So it's kind of, you know, this, this attack on religious freedom, and it's happening 
so many different ways. It's happening through the social media censoring, uh, you know, censoring speech. It's happening through this, you know, this transgendered corruption of our, of, uh, you know, God's creation. It's just this, you know, this slow suppression of people of faith. And I see it all the time. People at work, they have to leave their workplace. So they, you know, they, they feel so much pressure because of all this diversity training and forcing upon them values, you know, their, the, uh, the left's values, which are totally contrary to religious principles. And it makes it almost impossible for them to, to work in these places. But it's, it, this attack on religious freedom is real. And this case we filed yesterday uh, makes the point um, very clearly. And it's Catholic Healthcare International versus Genoa um, Township. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it, again, uh, requires underscoring that our law firm, American Freedom Law Center, um, represents these clients pro bono because these are more important than the individuals that we represent, quite frankly, the issues. Um, and they understand that our clients in the main, uh, and we explain that to them, that um, we get requests all the time to represent individuals in a kind of individual dispute, sometimes touching upon freedom of speech, sometimes freedom of religion. But the cases that we take on are the ones that touch upon, articulate, um, and give voice to the destruction of Western civilization, which is the foundation of this country. And the idea that a religious body owning acres and acres of land cannot um, provide the facilities for their worshipers to utilize that property in a reasonable way um, is not unusual. This occurs throughout this country. And typically, the villages and the cities that are claiming to enforce their zoning regulations um, are doing it against Jewish and Christian organizations. What's interesting, but not surprising, is that the same villages and the same cities, when confronted with um, Islamic development, and it even development which clearly changes uh, the nature of the of the of the neighborhood imposes traffic obligations on the neighborhood um, that go well beyond what was um, uh, allowed under the current zoning laws. When it comes to those organizations, villages and cities rubber stamp them all the time, and we've been involved in it several litigations. Um, and one in particular where this was, in fact, the case. And why is that? Well, the same question could be asked is, why did the progressives during this whole coronavirus thing seem to accept the word of Communist Party officials and scientists who were paid by Communist Party? Why is it that progressives and leftists embraced the Soviet Union as the um, the the good force in the world, while American and Western civilization was the evil force in the 1950s and 1960s. Well, the explanation based upon what we said here today and what anyone who understands history and political philosophy knows to be the case. The force of progressivism, the 
main agenda of progressivism is to destroy the notion that which is fundamental to this country that men writ large have liberty and integrity from God and that that can never be torn asunder. The soul of man exists and that soul articulates certain liberty, certain integrity that you simply can't murder. You can't do away with totalitarianism. The idea that um, someone wants to control mankind, whether it's a, a village, a city, a state, a country, or the world as in the Chinese government. In order to do that, you have to destroy that notion in their minds. Men and women have to come to the view that there is no such thing as the human soul. There is no such thing as inalienable rights, as the founders called it, what was soulful integrity of each individual, that each individual has a worth that's equal to the worth of the world. That's fundamental to Western civilization. You can't sacrifice my life, my soul for the greater good. You can't do that. I might choose to do that individually, but you can't get together and decide that my life isn't worth the, the, the good that might come to a greater number of people. Tyranny requires that notion that my life is not worth the greater good or it's not worth the good of the tyrannical power uh, that wants to do something. That is the fundamental aspect of liberalism and progressism, liberalism that we know today. Now, I will tell you that 99% of progressives and liberals have no idea that that's fundamental to their beliefs. They couldn't articulate that even in their quiet moments. And they'll deny it if you may have that discussion with them because they simply don't know. They've simply drank, the, you know, have drunk the Kool-Aid, as they say. They've grown up, they've suckled at um, at, at this source so that it's just part of their thinking. But I also will guarantee you that the leadership, the intellectual and the power leadership of that movement certainly does understand. And that's why you find cities and villages in America attacking Christians in the way that Rob just described or Jews, but ignoring the Islamic side of things, or the Communist Party side of things, or the Soviet Union side of things, precisely because those other things represent the destruction of Western civilization. And Western civilization having been founded on Jewish and subsequently Christian concepts, the Judeo-Christian foundation of this country, is what they're seeking to destroy, plain and simple. And if you look at our website, AmericanFreedomLawCenter.org or AFLC.us, and you go to our mission statement, you see that we put that front and center. We're fighting 
for the Judeo-Christian foundation of this society. And of course, when the left wants to attack us, attack us as bigots and racists, that's the first thing they quote. And they don't even say anything about it. Just wanting to defend the Judeo-Christian foundation of Western civilization is enough to a leftist to say, ah, that organization and those individuals are haters. Uh, they're trying to, you know, enslave us to their own philosophy, when in fact the truth is it's opposite. Well, very good. I, I'll add uh, one thing. I, I'm not going to give so many of them, 99%, whatever number you gave, as a, a pass. I think the, the leadership of this movement is demonic. I think there really is a spiritual battle out there, and there are evil forces out there, and I think that's what's driving, whether it's in the leadership um, that's that's pushing this this uh, this movement, which is so anti-God in so many ways. Um, but uh, you you summed it up very nicely there, and I, I think that uh, that'll wrap us up for today. We're gonna have to save your um, your discussion of the Arizona lawsuit till next time, which will be I think a very good discussion. That's the lawsuit against Twitter and the Biden administration. But I think David uh, at the end there just summed up you know this battle that we're in. Like I said, it really is it's a uh, it's a spiritual battle at the uh, at the end of the day and it's a, it's a battle for for our soul battle for the soul of america um and it's you know there's uh satan's real evil's real right and uh, somebody once said the uh you know his greatest triumph in the 20th uh, century was to convince people he doesn't exist and i think this is a demonic movement and we need to recognize it for what it is and um we got to pray for you know the salvation of our of our nation and we just have to so again, that's that's all the time we have today. Uh, thank you uh, all for for tuning in, listening, or watching. However, you're you're getting our podcast. We look forward to our next uh, discussion. As um, as you know, our video casts are posted on Rumble and our Rumble and YouTube channels, and our podcasts are posted on Spotify and Stitcher. And if you like the content, please follow us and uh, please spread the word. Thank you again. And as always, as we finish up, we say, may God bless you, and may He continue to bless America. Amen.